0: Welcome back to another edition of the Wit's Up podcast. It's fantastic to see all of your friendly faces today. We are welcoming to the Wit's Up podcast someone who I actually uh recorded Back in 2017, it must have been, Uh, and that recording is lost. It's out there in the ether somewhere. Is that the right word? That'll do. It's out there somewhere. Um, It never got published. Uh, I lost it. I kind of remember. It may have been on the trip where I was flying back from Europe and I left one of my external hard drives on the plane, never to be found again. Was that from Europe? That could have been Kona. Oh gosh. Always you've got to like back up and then back up, back up stuff. It's it's my worst nightmare. Now I back up all the things across all different platforms. Anyway, I caught up with Mary Beth Ellis, who is now a retired professional triathlete, uh, back in the day, one of the uh, most animalistic racers out on course. Uh, she, I often, re- and we speak about this during the podcast, but I often use her as a reference when I'm talking about things like white line fever and the difference between the person and the athlete. I think she's a great example uh, of that. Uh, so anyway, I actually ended up, she is American and, um, I've seen her all across the globe, but it just so happened that I recorded a podcast with her when I was in London and I was actually meant to be having downtime with some friends, but she was in London and so was Jodie Kahnema. so I- No, did I record a podcast with Jodie? No, I didn't record one with her. Actually, I need to get in contact with her. Uh, She's in quarantine at the moment with three small humans and her husband, James. Uh, So I'm not going to contact her for a podcast right now because uh, that would not be conducive to a quiet space to record a podcast Anyway, that has reminded me that she's another one who I need to catch up with for the podcast. Back to Mary Beth Ellis. I did record a podcast with her when she was in London. We both happened to be there. Uh, Her husband, I think, was there for work, so she went along for the journey. Anyway, I don't have that recording. So finally... Uh, we have caught up. And it was great because I've not spoken to her in quite some time, always via text messages and social media, using social media the way it should be used in terms of keeping up with people, finding out what's going on, that kind of thing. Um, That's how I like social media to be used the most. Um, Yeah. Anyway, up with her, fantastic catching up with Mary Beth. She is uh, now mother of two and is still coaching a few triathletes. So she's got some interesting insights on all of the things. Uh, we're going to get to her episode in just a few moments. This will be released uh, just days before Ironman Cairns, uh, the Asia Pacific Championship. So good luck to everyone who is racing on Sunday. I hope it all goes well and we wish her up there. However, due to the Melbourne lockdown, we, we as in I won't be in Cairns, which is a shame, but it is what it is. Last time we were there was 2019. Uh, and I guess the next time will be 2022. Anyways, over to it. Let's get going with my chat with Mary Beth Ellis. Please excuse this very brief interruption. I'm just here to say, if you are not already a WitsUp Patreon member, please consider signing up. It really helps us out and supports WitsUp to continue to bring you powerful narratives of women in sport. Just click the link in the description below uh, or just simply go to patreon.com slash WitsUp. That's patreo dot com slash WitsUp. And I assume you know how to spell WitsUp. Uh, okay, back to the podcast.
1: Do you see this photo right. right here? Do you remember? You probably don't remember this photo,
0: huh? I can't see it. Let
1: me pick it up. It's gonna fall. Somebody took a really good photographer took this photo. Can you see that? I remember photo? that. Yeah. It's, like- it's no. a great. It was poor Kiki the last the last time that she's like before you guys brought these other puppies into the house. <laughs> they ruined my life.
0: <laughs> How does she get along with with them?
1: Um, she tolerates them and enjoys the food they provide her. But, um, yeah, she's not... Doesn't really... Like, she she loves them, but she's not really a kid dog. She, just being a rescue, so... Um, sure. It's, she's not real lovey-dovey, but she definitely loves them. And she'll, you know, play with them a bit and lick them and tolerates
0: almost yeah.
1: anything. But she's not... Yeah, she's not one of those dogs that I love. I don't know. On Instagram, there's like the golden doodles that you see just cuddled up with the babies. She's not like that, yep. but she's pretty nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Henry's probably pretty similar. Like, he'll very early on, he'll want to be near her and stuff, but now she's just at that age where she pulls his fur and everything and he. He's the same. He tolerates it, but he'll be like, all right, I'm just gonna leave. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's how yeah. well and any other kid, Kiki would just like, you know, snap at him, but the yeah, her her kid, she kind of is like, all right, I'm getting out of here.
0: <laughs> we um if Henry snaps at Frankie, we're trying hard, like not not to tell him off because he doesn't like he doesn't bite her, but it's that's his language, his, yeah. Right? Exactly, that's his yeah. way of yeah. saying that's enough
1: yeah get the so you get the F of, off of me yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and it's so but true it's really that, yeah that's how kiki is too like her little language is a snap is like back off like yeah
0: mm. yeah but y- your instant reaction is like oh, don't you know but i don't know it's kind of like you need to let them yeah. figure out their boundaries and i don't know reason. how
1: how frankie is but my kids but like they don't really care like if kiki snaps at them they don't get uh, it's not like a kid that, you know, overreacts. They're sort of like, okay, she doesn't want to hang out with me right now. So they're just, you know, move on to something else.
0: See, Frankie's more like, oh, this is funny. This is a game. <laughs> oh, poor <laughs> Poor Henry. <shit-stirer>. I know. <laughs> um, Okay, so I'm obviously already recording. I just figured I wanted to hit record because we've got so much to catch up on that we need to record this because I'm sure there's going to be gold in whatever we end up talking <laughs> about. Are you okay with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about gold, <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> you better bring the gold.
1: Oh, no. I feel like I'm more of a silver type person.
0: <laughs> Just a runner-up, a bridesmaid yeah, kind of person. Yeah.
1: It's always safer what happened
0: spot. To the, what happened to the honey badger?
1: <laughs> no, no. Well, that's the thing is I feel like I used to race like if I was going to race good, I had to be angry. And I just feel like all even the last like year and a half maybe it was tough for me to find the anger. And so I just I don't know. I was definitely time to move on cuz don't have I'm not a good happy racer, which it's kind of sucks cuz I do think happy racers are happier in general, but I was just sort of a mad, angry person when I raced and that was sort of how I was able to tap into Trying to, you know, get that fire to win was definitely yeah. an angry fire. And <laughs> and there's none left, especially now being like having kids. I feel like I'm even more of like, a, I just, yeah, too happy.
0: <laughs> Damn it. Too yeah, happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you take the win. I'll be yeah. back here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so this is interesting because so many people that I speak to on this podcast, and I don't know if you listen to this podcast, you probably don't because you're probably pretty busy doing your own thing.
1: Actually, I mean, I try to watch it, listen to it when I'm doing a little bit of exercise I can get in. I I love, I'll listen to podcasts because I, I do everything just easy. So it's like easy runs, easy, you know, like the nice coffee rides. Like, so I listen to mostly podcasts. Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah, I try sweet. to keep up with it. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a test at the end of this podcast to see if, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but so many people who happen to speak to, especially, um, older athletes, more matured athletes tend to sort of say they've recognized later in their career that they, the happier they are, the better (laughs) they perform. But you, and this doesn't surprise me because I know you, Yeah. you you are the complete opposite.
1: I I think so. I don't think I was a good, I mean, there was a reason that I did best under like Brett's system where it was like, it's not really like a fun environment most of the time. I mean, definitely the girls I train with were amazing. Like I couldn't have asked for, for better training partners, but it wasn't like a fun, you know, it was sort of like living by myself in the mountains, like hold up like a hermit pretty much. So um, and like, yeah, coming out of that is when I had some, some of the better results. So I don't, yeah, I, and whenever I'd be at home training with Eric, this obviously before kids, you know, I just would be like, mm, I guess I'll train today a bit and just feel like I was, I would get complacent, I think at home.
0: Really? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Did you recognize that while you're in it or more now that you can look back at it now that you're retired?
1: I think more in hindsight. I think everything's always mm. clear in hindsight. You know, you just don't really sure. – yeah, you can't see as clearly when you're in the middle of the, the fray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so say you're – say training's going really well, you're pretty happy, everything's ticking along nicely, and you come to race day and you're like, shit, I'm not angry. I need to find some anger. Yeah. D- what, what did you – and I love this because typically we sort of ask the questions like, how do you get out of that dark zone? Like, what, what are your mantras? <laughs> <laughs> what what's your what were your anti-mantras? What was your go-to to get you fired up if everything was going well? What did you draw upon? I I think usually you have to self-sabotage
1: somewhere, you know? So I'm sure there'd be somewhere like whether it was like some dramatic thing with the bike or I remember, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's always something I'm trying to think of. There's definitely been races, too. Like, one race, I brought goggles that were just, like, they um, uh, con- like had, like, uh, lenses in them for, like, corrective vision. So, like, I couldn't, you know, but just just things that make you have to overcome something, I think. I'd, I'd find something like that or, um, you yeah. know, the chip on my... I always think I raced better when it was, like, the underdog. And then once mm-hmm. you start winning and you become, like... The, the person people are gunning for, I think it's harder in some ways. Or you're off the front of the race. I always think that's harder than the ch- chasing. I'd much rather be yeah, chasing no. than off the front, like, oh, shit, where are they?
0: Yeah. Which I imagine is quite hard for you, I guess, apart from when you're at championship races. Although I guess you pretty much, you did race a lot of big races. You always seem to toe the line at championship races um, because I felt like that brought out the best in you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I think it did quite a mix, like where some where it was a big championship and then some that it was, you know, you against, I've definitely had races where I was off the front by like 20 minutes or something on the bike and wh- like way over biking. Like that was the other thing <laughs> in my career is like, I was not a good biker, but I would just like bike way too hard and then like just melt down on the run. And it was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think in hindsight, I, I would have done some stuff differently. But, um, you know, you just, I think sometimes I get carried away on the bike and just leave, it, leave it out there. Yes, angry. Yeah. yeah, look at the other girls. Like, I mean, in my mind, they would all be drafting and that would add some anger. You know, but most of I'm sure they weren't. But you know what I mean? Like you can, mm. plus you only see people for a split second. So you have no idea what's actually going on behind you. So. Yeah. But you have, to, you have to add the drum in your head to get yourself fired up.
0: <laughs> you're hilarious. I always use you as a reference about white line fever, that you're like this, you know, super sweet, lovely person, albeit a smart ass, but a sweet person <laughs> off the race course. But once you, once you cross that start line, you are, a, well, you're a honey badger. A honey badgers don't give a shit. You just...
1: yeah, I definitely was an asshole on the race course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean like an unapologetic unapologetic one too. But it's just it's definitely was, you know, kill or be killed out there to a certain extent. And I mean, we're racing oh. for I was not one to be out there smiling and I I never I mean the more power to people who are out there, you know, getting out of the swim waving and smiling, but for me it's like you know, the whole thing was, this is, this is war. Like, what are you doing smiling? Like, or people on the marathon smiling. It's like, this is a death march. Who are you people? But I'm out here suffering. Yeah. Usually cursing at Eric during the marathon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So can you, do you remember a time where you let rip at someone else? Um, out, out on the race course, I'm sure it happened to every race. But... Oh
1: yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, but and maybe not all the time though. At a volume they could hear. So I mean, I'm sure. Like, uh, I'm not sure how many times I would have yelled loud. I mean, because you know you don't want to yell too loud, but
0: on the yep. race course. But... Did Did you ever felt feel like you had to apologise to anyone post race? Um,
1: I'm sure I should have. But now it's really too late. They probably all hate me, but it's too, sorry. Oh, Going I'm out sorry. to anyone.
0: Just a blanket yeah. sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just think you get this... myopic on the race course and you get so uh, so intense on what you're doing. And, yeah, it's definitely uh, the manners are out the window at that point.
0: But this is one of the reasons I, I love you is that you – this is so truthful. Like, it's so honest because I don't – and like you said, each to their own. However you want to race is how you race. But I've never understood the mate, matey-matey, pally-pally yeah. out on race course because y- you are out there racing to win. And I actually had a discussion with Alicia Kay about this and Hella Fredrickson pulled her up on it saying, you got to stop being so friendly because – we're out there to destroy each other and it changed her um, her mindset and it changed the way that she raced to, yeah. uh, you know, in a positive performance kind of way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, mm. and it's true. I mean, there's, those two are both fierce competitors that, you know, especially any Olympic distance race, I would be lining up next to them and just be like, oh, all right, see you guys in the finish. It's, at some point they'd be going past me or starting or out of the swim before me. But yeah. Yeah.
0: So towards the end of your career, that was a big sign for you that it was time to start wrapping things up because you felt you lost that animal instinct. I
1: I think so, and I think Eric actually kind of saw it even before I did. I think he was he was almost one, the one who was saying maybe it's time. Before I mean, I I knew it was time. Partially, we wanted to have kids, and mm-hmm. um, I think I would have regretted if I had waited. Much longer to start sure. a family, um, but yeah, I just yeah, that was definitely the fire was starting to to go out. I definitely had Iron Man's so the last year and a half that I was winning the race and just was like wanted to stop. I was like, yeah, can right. I just like you know go off in the bushes here? Like I'm just not <laughs> like you know you just I don't know. It, the fire wasn't. I was sort of wondering what I was doing out there a little bit. Because there wasn't that the same fire that I'd had early in my career. And I wonder part of it is, Ironman's just such a hard sport, too, that, mm. I mean, I know some people can sustain careers over, you know, 20 years, but for me, it was um, partially it was I started the sport so late that I knew I only had limited time, but um, mm. definitely the years where Brett had me do four Ironmans a year, I think that just burned me out, too. Um, four yeah. Ironmans is way too many in one year. I don't think, yeah. So. Especially
0: the way you race as well. Like yeah, you're not doing it crazy, on No.
1: No, well, and the way, and the way Brett would have you train too. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, I I love Brett, but he definitely had me do some stupid stuff that, in hindsight, I like four hour runs, like the oh, you know fuck. the month before Kona. Like, why? Like I, in hindsight, I I I love. Yeah, he did a great job with all of his athletes, but I think in hindsight, there's some stuff that maybe. We would have done a little differently. But, like, two-hour run, I think, before Ironman Switzerland, I did a two-hour run and a long ride, like, in the four days before. Just, like, why? Yeah, why are we doing this? But, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I do think that kind of training and that kind of racing just kind of mentally and physically fries you a bit. And I was older at that point. I mean, I was 39 when I retired. I think it's kind of... um, at the point where the body's, I mean, I think the mind can overcome, but the body's definitely moving on the mm. downward trajectory <laughs> around that point. I mean, yeah. And, and to the athletes, like there's, um, I know Meredith Kessler was still racing and I saw her post where somebody was like, she should have retired. And that pisses me off because people should be able to retire on their own time. If like mm-hmm. her and, and another one like Dee Dee, like, how awesome is it? They're still out there fucking racing. Like, I couldn't do yeah. it, but I'm so impressed. Like there's like I watched Tulsa and I was like, thank fucking God I'm not out there racing an Ironman. Man. Like that looks so hard. But Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I really like that post from Meredith. I'm actually gonna pull it too. up because yeah. there's there's something in it that and obviously obviously sorry, that bit where she overheard people talking about yeah. it. But her response, this was my favorite bit. I'm actually just going to pull it up, was, um, and like you say, people can retire whenever they want for whatever reason. It's no one else's business. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh, here we go. At 43, now that was her 70th Iron Distance race. (laughs) (laughs) It's just insane.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine.
0: I'm just See, trying to remember, um, yeah. and this is off the top of my head now. Hillary Biscay, how many did she end up doing in the end? Because she know, was but
1: quite a quite a few at at a top at a high level. Yeah,
0: yeah, I yeah. Can't imagine and I,
1: close to fifth. No, Belinda was really high too, wasn't she? Was Belinda yeah, almost but, fifty? Or
0: I think I she, I think she was fifty. But I think yeah. Hillary, um, and we've probably got people you know yelling yeah, in our ears yeah, at the moment yeah. as they listen to this um but i think hillary had the most but i've got a feeling now yeah. that meredith has topped that but i don't i don't know for sure and i'll look that up before we um publish this but
1: yeah either way she, she, incredible incredible exactly. like all, the, yeah. all of the ladies doing 70 yeah, yeah. 50, 70
0: however <laughs> um She wrote, at 43, it fulfills me deeply to still be racing um, at all while you, and she's talking about Mac, are my number one priority. My role now is more matriarchal matriarchal in every way. A role I cherish, blah, blah, blah. I just, I loved that sentence. My role now is more matriarchal in in every way. And I just, I don't know, there was just something really powerful about that that really struck a chord with me. Um, Yeah. That you know, I'm I'm not here to impress old mate on the sidelines. I'm yeah. here to do what I love, uh, to be a role model for my kid, to you know, to continue you know, giving life lessons in the way that I know how. Type of thing. That's how yeah. I took that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. and uh, probably for Mac, but also the uh, you know the, some of the women on the race course too are you know just starting out in their career and kind of seeing somebody. Mm not who knows she could go another 20 year you know 20 years but but yep. seeing somebody who's kind of been through it is is also nice for for giving them a role model to to emulate and for uh, sure but but definitely i mean it kind of brings back to me though that i that's one of the things i i couldn't race after having kids cuz i just would be too too happy i be like, oh, there's my kids. I'm going to stop, okay? <laughs> could you pause the clock so I could just give them a little hug? Like, no, I, I, I for me personally, I, I couldn't have, yeah, you know, it was time, ta- yeah, especially having kids. I, and, yeah. and I also just think injury wise, if I tried to rate, come back after having kids, um, I think I would have had yeah. so much. I mean, it's just, I think your body is different and, um, And then, obviously, if you're breastfeeding, like the stress fracture risk, I think there's just so Mm. many variables that um, make it really hard. Like, I think there's the women that come back after having kids; it's so impressive because there's a Mm. lot of a lot of things for them. Besides not only having a small human to take care of, they also have a body that you know is is dealing with breastfeeding and um, Mm. you know loose joint, you know everything that changes. Post yeah, definitely yeah.
0: I think that's one thing I really uh, underestimated after having Frankie was the breastfeeding. So um, how much that takes from you because, yeah. you know, in my head I was like, yeah, but I'm eating and I'm doing this and doing that and someone just basically said, but you're not getting a solid night's sleep. And that's okay. like your body yeah, oh, can yeah. cope with it. Like your bo- the, A woman's body is made to be able to cope with that for a certain period of time, you know. Yeah. But, um, that the kid is taking everything from you yeah. from breastfeeding. Um, yeah. so there's a reason why it's really hard to go for a run and you might end up injured. Like that, yeah. there's a very good reason. I just, I really underestimated that side of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mm. think the, it's like the risk of stress fracture too. I mean, I had a bunch mm. of stress fractures early in my running career and it's just, mm. I think it would have been tough to balance the two it just because you really need a perfect diet to kind of get enough of those nutrients and not deplete your calcium. and
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would love to know, who was your favorite person to race against? Jeez,
1: that's tough. I mean, I feel like I had so many good battles with different athletes over the years. Um, yeah, and and on different situations, like I one that I race, I felt like quite often um, was Leanda Cave, and she might not think of, but there was a couple where I just, you know, the 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 year she won Kona, um, mm-hmm. we all had kind of been on the bike at the same, and we all ended up getting penalties for different reasons, and I actually saw her penalty, oh. which was she got. I mean, I didn't see Carolyn's because um, I I just wasn't in a spot to see it, but. Leander's I saw and it was stupid. She just, she pulled out to pass Carolyn and then pulled back in because, you know, she didn't get past. And then, um, and then mine was Peter Verbusik, Brub- um, had a broken back in the race. Yes. And so I was, I was kind of going to go up to pass him. And then I didn't know, like, you know, cause I'd seen her get busted for trying to pass and not being able to. So I was like, I don't know what he's, and then he got to a hill and basically like, I guess cause of his back, he like almost came to a stop. And like, I just, yeah. just like head down, didn't even see and got into his draft zone and just, yeah. But, but anyway, regardless of that, but that was one of those battles that, um, you know, you kind of, I mean, I, I always respected her that she had that amazing 2012 season where she just won both, yeah. both titles. I mean, that was incredible. And, and then we yeah. had a couple of Wildflower. She just, I think seven seconds at Wildflower in 2011 or it was something like that. One of those years, twenty. Yeah, might even been twenty twelve too. But um yeah. who else? But I mean, I always loved like racing rinnie and Caroline, and I mean all the top competitors in my little era. Um, I mean, <laughs> and then in the seventy point three, you always knew if you were going to line up against MBK or Heather Wortel, you were going to get your ass handed to you if you weren't fit. Which was yeah, usually yeah. usually me early in the season. I never was. Um, I just, I couldn't race well all year. I, I was one of those athletes that, especially in the, in the spring, I felt like I was always getting pounded. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was good. It kind of, like, let you know, okay, I need to go to camp because I'm obviously not getting it done on my own. <laughs> um, it's, but, oh, it's, sorry, keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, I also, I just love training with, I feel like I got to train with mm. so many amazing athletes, and it was really, that's kind of what I miss is, like mm. training and getting a race with the with the relationships you get with everyone when you're cuz now I'm like on the east coast I don't really get to see many people and especially not yeah. covid but um,
0: yeah yeah was that hard as part of the retirement I imagine it was quite hard being in a it's not secluded but it's away from the yeah. people and the and the life that you knew
1: it def it definitely was harder. I think in some ways because, um, you know, making new friends as in a <laughs> like a f- an retired forty year old is a little tougher. So, retired um, forty year old asshole. Yeah, retired right, forty. You know, I had to change my ways a little otherwise. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It's definitely you know just trying to get out and I met a bunch of people through swimming. Like, kind of brought me back a little bit to, to the pool. Otherwise, I would probably would never swim again. But um, and then we have some family out here, but it's definitely I would have loved in Colorado. It would just would have been nice because so many of us mm. were having kids around the same time. Rachel, Rennie, um, mm. trying to think, I'm sure M- Mary Miller, was Laura,
0: good.
1: yeah, Laura, yeah. So yeah. it's just would have been nice to kind of have have that because it's, I mean, it is nice. You're you kind of end up hanging out with your kids' friends, which which is great. But I think I would have had a sort of a built in you know, little play group already and people to kind of bounce questions off easier than, you know, sending a message and waiting to hear back. Yeah. But I do actually think on a different note, like having kids, I think retirement for men must be so much harder because like, at least for women that have kids, it's sort of the soft soft landing pad as you kind of figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. I think I'll... Um, like because there's just no way you could have a, a real job while raising like two little kids I mean obviously coaching I think I'd always love to love to do but it's not really a full-time at least not for me at, at this point it's something I'm able to yeah. fit it fit in around but you know the kids are just such a it's sort of taking all your energy that you're focused in on on racing and you, now you have these little humans you have to take care of and uh, you know, protect them. Make sure they don't kill themselves <laughs> at any moment, or or you don't kill them. <laughs> but but yeah, so it's sort of. I always. I don't know. It's kind of a nice sort of landing, landing pad. You know, give me some bounces as I kind of figure out what, what I'm doing with the rest of my life.
0: That's an interesting perspective. I'd I'd never really thought about it like that. But yeah, you you're probably right.
1: For the, for the men, it's, it's, in some ways, it'd be hard because when do you retire? There's no reason to retire. I mean, if, if, as a woman, if you do want to have kids and a family, I think you either stop in, in the middle of your career and then maybe have, if you want more than one kid, you kind of can add some at the, you know, how you figure it out. Like for the women, it's definitely figuring it out. But for the men, it's when, when am I done? And so they have to actually, you know, mm. uh, figure out, I, you know, I, I just think it is a little bit harder in some ways. I mean, they don't have any kind of other reason other than looking in mm. inward and seeing when they're, when they're done.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, and then I think, yeah, they're under the gun as far as fi- figuring out what they want to do next. And which I think takes a while for some people. And, um, uh, some people it's quick and they know exactly what they want to do, but or they've already been working on it, which I think is smart for athletes kind of moving on too. Mm.
0: Yeah. And if you didn't have kids, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I would
1: st- still be coaching. I just don't know if I'd be right. doing something something else too. I, I yeah. Because I think the coaching is nice. Keeps me. Um, cause I've, as, as we discussed, I don't I have zero desire to be out there racing an Ironman myself, but, um, coaching people and sharing, um, all the mostly mistakes I've made, preventing them from making those. Um, and, and I mean, especially getting to see, um, age groupers who, you know, are doing an Ironman for the first time and sort of the nervous excitement about, um, going into that training and accomplishing yeah. that goal is, is pretty exciting. And then, um I, I like working with the the pros too, but I've only had a couple that I've really worked with and it's just it's a different right. dynamic for pros. I mean they're out mm. there and it's it's their living versus you know, mm-hmm. someone trying to accomplish something um they've never done before, which is a different different type of challenge I think.
0: And did you did you find it hard going from being a professional athlete and that being your living so everything sort of centers around training to coaching an age grouper who has to fit training in around essentially a nine-to-five job
1: uh I I think it's just so different um I they're they're stressed like from the job and family and um you know like training peaks doesn't count that in the TSS score or anything and, Mm. and that's something that um, it's it definitely going to impact their ability to train and, and recover and how much sleep are they getting. There's there's all the little mm. things that I think, um, you know, a pro doesn't have to worry about to a certain mm. extent. I mean, they might have a neat night they sleep bad and you'll hear about it for like the next week. So, whereas like the age groupers, like, yeah, I, I you know, consistently is only able to get in so much sleep because they have to get up early to fit in the training because mm. they have a family and all these other variables mm. that I think – um, make, make it harder. Um, and the challenge as a coach, kind of more interesting to try to fit it in and make sure they don't, um, overcook themselves and, um, but get in enough, obviously, if you want to finish the Ironman with any sort of, with goals in mind, you know, kind of hitting Mm. those.
0: Yeah, definitely. I just, I know, um, I've spoken to a lot of pro athletes, I guess, especially athletes who are still racing and doing a bit of coaching on the side they've struggled to get out of that mindset of training's number one and then we slot everything else in around it as a professional uh, and then changing that mindset to figuring out how it works for an age group because of everything that you just spoke about and it's um it's it's a learning curve I guess from a professional athlete's point of view if you haven't coached age group athletes before there's there's so many other factors that you need to consider.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and everybody's so individual too. I do think. So yeah, yeah. I mean, build goes into it, like muscle. I fi- even like muscle fibers. Like a, a man carrying a lot of muscle is going to get tired quicker than you know, kind of a smaller mm. female. So kind of uh, factoring that in, and, and age, and menopause. I mean, there's so many different hormonal oh, yeah. things that happen there that um, I don't even know if if I have. The formula, but it's definitely, there's a lot that the women, as they kind of hit, hit those ages can Mm. change the way, I mean, they might have been able to do some training, like the X volume of training beforehand. And then as they enter that, you know, kind of what they can do changes a bit and they might need a little more rest and um, Mm. the body's just not going to respond exactly the same way. And I mean, for men, the same, the same thing they're going through through that as well, kind of their, their hormones changing.
0: Yeah. And, and do you, so do you just ask a lot of questions because a lot, obviously a lot of this stuff doesn't come up in your typical data when they are filling in training peaks. Have we got a visitor?
1: Yeah. come. See. We, Somebody's going please. to bed.
0: Uh, Say hi. Hi. Hi Steph. You can't hear me? Oh, you <laughs> yeah. down here, because... I can hear you. Say you hi, can't Steph. hear me. <laughs> yeah. She says hi. hi. Say hi to hi. Steph,
1: bud. Say hi. <laughs> hi, Legend. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Steph was here the night you were conceived. Okay.
0: Oh, <laughs> All right, will you, will you say good night. Good night, bud. <laughs> All right, love you. Good to see you. <laughs> this is an excellent segue because I did, I did want to bring up that particular... Well, not that particular night, but... So, we... Uh, Brittany and I decided to go to New York uh, for Christmas. Well, what year was it now? 20
1: That was the end of 2017. So, it would have been New Year's. Right. Yeah, turning
0: to eight,
1: 2018. No. Right.
0: 2016 to 2017. Yeah, cuz yeah, it okay. was born in tw- Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, we went to New York. I've I've always wanted to be in New York for Christmas, so we did that. Um and then M- MB was just like, "Hey, Come and hang out in Boston for a couple of days. So we we went and hung out um, with uh, the crew for three nights, two nights, three nights over yeah. New Year's Eve. Um, had an absolute belter of a time. Um, and also, just just quickly, MB says that you know she's no interested in doing triathlons or anything anymore. However, is still highly competitive when it comes to exercise, and I've witnessed that. Hungover. Do is it snowshoes? Putting on snowshoes, yeah. doing a snow walk, hike, and she was out of here, out of there, gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, still, I, I, yeah, I still like to beat people, but yeah, <laughs> doesn't have to be in a race at any time. I'll, I'll race it. They don't even know that I'm competing against them. They're just somebody in the swim lane, like five over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, that competitive competitive spirit never goes. Um but anyway, so we we hung out with uh MB and the crew and um I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. So we'll cut it if you don't mind me bringing it up. I mean, you brought it up the fact that Sid was um <laughs> <laughs> conceived that night. But there was a lot of discussion about trying to get pregnant that weekend and your mate was talking about what was the thing that um, the machine the machine yeah. and I'm like and this is before I even knew that I wanted yeah. to have kids and I'm like yeah. oh my god what What is? what have I walked into
1: <laughs> no it's not really that it just is a ovulation tracker it's not really that that like crazy but it, it was helpful like for for me because my cycles were really long so I had we had if I had just gone based on like guessing in the middle of the cycle that I would I ovulated late so like had had I just been guessing I think it would have taken a lot longer so I think the machine helped I guess (laughs) yeah we used it for both and and it definitely was a like Sid was pretty quick but with Ellis we were trying for 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 a long time before we kind of were able to conceive him
0: yeah right well so actually
1: yeah but with breastfeeding too i didn't get my cycles back so we stopped breastfeeding and then it still took like four months to get cycles back really yeah yeah so i I mean everybody's so different i guess too with that
0: yeah because i was told if you're breastfeeding you don't get your period and i'm like (laughs) Oh sweet three three maybe four months my period came back and i was breastfeeding I was not happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, what the hell?
0: Yeah, oh, my for, gosh. Yeah,
1: for me, I like we, I breastfed her for 15 months and then we stopped and it still took another like four months because I think I stopped in December and I didn't get my period till like April.
0: Wow. Yeah. And do you think your cycle not being atypical, and I'm using inverted commas type yeah. of thing here, do you think that was a result of – a lot of hard training and, and what you've done to your body being an elite uh, yeah. athlete or. Yeah. yeah.
1: I always worried about getting pregnant cause I would have um, periods where I'd uh, amenorrhea, like, I mean, mm. even as a high schooler, I just, I think part of it is when I get stressed. I also, so if I was stressed and training hard, um, I mm. would, so probably I would only get maybe four cycles a year when I would be in the off season or early season. And then it would tend to go away for the race season, no matter, um, I had years where I was heavier or lighter and it didn't really seem to matter weight. It was a little more, I think for me anyway, stress and training. Wow. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think my body really (laughs) likes training that hard. I think it's like, what the hell are you doing? We're going to (laughs) turn off all systems. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to, um, so, so I, I mean, I definitely was a little, a little worried and, Mm. um, yeah, so it was a, sort of a pleasant surprise to, f- to find out I was able to kind of, as soon as I would stop racing, it would usually come back and, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah, cause Good. it's, it's, a, yeah, the, all the, ugh, that stuff's all just scary too. If you want kids and, mm. um, fertility is such a tough thing. I mean, like mm. um, yeah, I've known so many people have had struggled with the eye- IVF cycles and yeah, yeah that's tough.
0: <clears throat> and then sometimes it, it it can absolutely more often than not be something that's completely out of your control. Um,
1: yeah. Well, and, and stress and, is such a factor too, I think for, mm. for that too, which, I mean, I yeah. definitely feel like with, with Ellis part of it was uh, my stress. Cause like every mm. month that would go by that we were trying and we didn't like, I would get a little more mm. stressed and then Finally, I was like, all right, we'll go see a doctor. And, like, we scheduled a doctor's appointment um, to talk to our fertility specialist. And it was, like, then was, like, right, like I found out, like, a, maybe less than a week before our doctor's appointment. So, it was yeah, sort of, right. like, I think just taking the pressure off, too, to a certain extent.
0: That's um, the exact yeah. same thing happened to my friend. Um, was ready to, I started, I think started, didn't actually start the process, but started the conversations about IVF. Um, and the next step was to start the inject injections, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before she did that, fell pregnant. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably something very similar that pressure was taken off her for her, for her putting that pressure on herself to do, to do the job or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Stress definitely is such a bad, I mean, yeah,
1: it's, it's definitely not
0: good for the body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And when I say it's out of your control, obviously you can try and change factors that contribute to stress. But sometimes you don't realize. Oh, yeah. Like oh, I feel for like sure. we live in a world of stress without even realizing yeah. until you take a step back. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and it is. Yeah. It is like you can't blame for somebody for you know if you really would love to have kids and and you're having mm. tr- like it is stressful and it's tough and it's. Yeah, um, emotional and yeah all that's wrapped up in in it and you can't really separate that either no so.
0: exactly exactly far out so then the next time I saw you was would have been June-ish June I July think so. June, yeah yeah that that year um when you were in London yeah and so was Jodie Kunima Swallow at the time um, and you were both pregnant, and I remember walking along the Thames with you two. We'd all caught up for yeah, coffee yeah. or whatnot. And the only thing I remember you guys talking about <laughs> was mucus plugs.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah, and it left it left a, a mark, huh? Dude, <laughs> you like learned more than you needed to know, and yet oh. then you decided to you wanted your own mucus plug.
0: <gasps> oh, you're so funny! Oh gosh! And we went out for lunch, and you guys had a juice or something. I was like, I definitely need a an alcoholic drink to get through this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's when you and I actually recorded a podcast. So MB wrote on our 100th uh, episode that we pushed out on social media, saying it's technically the 101st episode because <laughs> there is <laughs> one.
1: <giving> <laughs> yeah.
0: There is one floaty out there that I've lost. That I've tried to recreate, couldn't do it. So we've started from scratch. So um, this is this podcast is a long time in the making. <laughs>
1: In your defense, weren't you going to a concert? Like you, you like had traveled from some, you traveled from a suburb with all your equipment, like dragging it on the train. And then you were going to,
0: were Oh, going the Sheeran concert? concert. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think
1: you were going to a concert. So like, yep. yeah. And then you had all your stuff. And like, um, I mean, you really, you made like the full on effort to, and you had, I mean, it was a, a lot of equipment to yeah. record. Yeah.
0: Turns out, you doing it remotely to the like this,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is a lot easier. I should have actually recorded Ed Sheeran in concert. I know, and, you yeah, have, yeah,
1: a record over me with Ed Sheeran. Yeah. That would have been worth a lot more. That's gold.
0: <laughs> yeah, S- selling some bootleg versions of Ed Sheeran, and then, actually, yeah. I could have done a mix of the uh, uh, Honey Badger and Ed Sheeran mega duet. Wicker yeah. wick. <laughs>
1: Nobody wants me singing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um can we go back to the first time that we met do you remember um i was it kona or was it kona oh, 2013 or was or was it I Man melbourne
1: i remember melbourne but i think we'd met we meet in kona before that i think so oh. i think it was and i'm sure i was an asshole because i was stressed <laughs> about the race <laughs> The stress no, level ch- on Kona was always like at a at a, oh, like the the top is ten and the stress level on Kona was probably like a twelve.
0: I uh, I actually don't think you were because one year I actually stayed with you for a few days. Yeah,
1: that was was that twenty fifteen.
0: I can't remember, but can't it was remember. year yeah. that it I was, 15, was a nomad. Yeah, yeah, it, was, 2015, yeah. it was twenty
1: fifteen. Yeah, and I
0: f- I think yeah.
1: I sorry. Oh no, yeah, it was definitely well, I was only remembering based on where I stayed, so uh, I think, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and i I didn't for whatever reason, probably zero money had nowhere to stay, so I was yeah, bouncing yeah. from from place to place, no car, just carrying my <laughs> luggage up and down <laughs> a in, in like a eighty a eighty eighty percent humidity, eighty
1: degrees, <laughs> like just sweat and like.
0: Oh Oh, my camera gear! Oh my god, I uh, yeah, I've done things the hardest way possible. Yeah, but that's what you're gonna do when you you don't have a budget.
1: (laughs) It it worked out. I mean, you're breaking in the millions now. Yeah. (laughs)
0: uh but yeah i remember i'm in melbourne trying to do an interview with you down at that cafe sitting on the wall and i'll actually i'll try and bring it up and people just kept walking in front of the camera like you've <laughs> oh, got yeah, yeah do you remember there's i don't get it people is it because people have just got their heads in their phones yeah, or know, people are just they... dumb asses but you've got a tripod. There's two people sitting on a wall talking with a microphone in hand and a massive camera, and then people standing behind the camera, and people would still walk in front of the fucking thing. And you're like, "Yeah, what do, do we need to get some signage and some like gates or something saying this is yeah. a closed set?" And it just kept happening to you and I. Yeah, I I do re- I
1: remember that that too. Yeah, that was fun. And well, and I remember that how good the coffee was too. So I was I was probably rare content because i was
0: well caffeinated yeah i'm gonna say it was genius i it was genius it was gold lost
1: again to the to the ether
0: (laughs) i've got it somewhere i'm gonna see if i can find the bloopers (laughs) from from that um and that's what you miss from from being in triathlon is all that wonderful time spent with me across the globe right
1: Well, I I did. Well, you, of course. And then also like I just the the other, I mean, I definitely miss kind of catching up with the athletes in person and um, training mates that, you know, you just suffering together. There's something about that bond that you can't. I mean, you have other other friends, obviously, but friends that you suffer with, I think you have, (laughs) you know, a unique, a unique bond. Yeah, I definitely remember some some Brett sets and Siri sets with um, mm. The girls and guys, too, that you just – you definitely bonded just getting through it. And and yeah. uh, I don't know if you – I know Brett's always taught – or other athletes of Brett's have talked about that trip to um, the Alpe d'Huez. I felt like that oh, trip always yeah. sort of bond – you know, it I definitely had – I mean, go back again to where I was not really a very good cyclist who, like, tried to <laughs> fake my way around it. Like, I, I <laughs> suffered so bad on that trip. I think there was one year where – J- Jody Swallow was just so nice to me. She's like, you know, like was I was so far back, and she was like, "Come on, guys, let's wait for her." And then I remember one year, like just dying like a dog, and like Zena giving me a nice push up the hill. <laughs> but yeah, you just sort definitely was you, you know, kind of bonding, and and the other yeah. the mates that you suffer with. I kind of miss miss that because you know yeah and and it feels like everybody's spread spread around the the globe right now too, which is which is hard but
0: yeah at definitely. Least, at least
1: like yeah it's internet and social media you can kind of keep track of what people everyone's doing and I have to say, I feel like poor Jody swallow in a hotel room oh my god three, three toddler. I don't think I could do it
0: i <laughs> I would throw myself from the balcony. <laughs> Yeah, I sent her a message. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sending you good vibes, but mostly I'm sending you lots of deep breaths because I, like, yeah. I just – Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, well, because I remember hard. just a little bit of time being stuck with just – like when the pandemic first started being – I mean, we didn't really go anywhere or do anything for like the first month or so with just, just sit and I and in our own mm. house. So we had mm. like anything we needed and – I, it were long days. You're like, so what are we going to do now? Like, what can I invent for us to do? But yes. Oh
0: God. Actually that was one of the questions I asked when you fill in the thing, um, uh, to do this podcast is what, um, what's the question? What have you learned? Oh, change your mind about.
1: Yeah. Changed my mind about in the last five years. And and that was, yeah, I think Sid was a year old and I've, flew from Boston um to the Netherlands, and we were meeting eric he was he was over there in amsterdam and um I mean previous to, to having kids i you know you'd hear the screaming baby on the plane, and you know I would never have said anything out loud, but obviously you know under your breath, you're like, can somebody please like what is what are you even doing like why is your baby screaming and then yeah. like on a plane with my one year old who like nothing I could do was like. I mean, she, and like, I had the people yelling, you know, like the angry, disgruntled guy, a couple rows back, like telling me to get her to shut up. And I was like, I'm, I'm trying everything. Like, yeah, like I'm not pinching her up here. Um, <laughs> so it definitely changed by now. If I, there's a kid screaming on a plane, I just want to go like hug the mom and say, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. That's
0: a, that's a really good, uh, learning curve because I would have been exactly the same, um, and then as as a mum or as a parent with a kid on a plane you're so hyper aware how loud they are um and you f- you feel so guilty uh yeah. I, I t- oh, it's 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 horrible um i frankie was always thankfully pretty good on a plane it was more that now she's a bit older and can walk up and down the aisles yeah. yeah. that's when she started to be trouble because she would walk up and down the aisle, run, touching every single person as she yeah. would. I was, I was chatting to Annabelle Luxford like, sort of about this yesterday, um, and I was just like, and some people just don't like kids and yeah. each to their own. But I'm like, oh, my God, how do I, like what's worse, her walking up and down touching <laughs> everyone or her screaming at the top of her lungs yeah. strapped to a chair and I'm like. Ah. Yeah. yeah,
1: you just got to <laughs> hope you get a plane filled with people that enjoy children.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then but, sometimes you'll get an absolute ripper of a person who will spend time with them for like
1: oh, 30 yeah. seconds so you yeah. can just breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think one time when Sid was really young, I was on a plane and she had like a blowout and like the flight attendant was like, oh, she's so cute. Can I hold her? And I was like, are you sure? Are you like, <laughs> there could be poop coming out, but here you go. <laughs> But, yeah, they, oh, yeah, anybody just being nice to you at that point on a plane with kids, you're just like, thank you, this is so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I flew to um from Melbourne to Perth, uh, which is about four and a half hours, when Frankie was about five and a half weeks old because that's where my best friend lives and she had met Frankie and then we we're about to go to Kona and I was like, I need you to meet my child and I'll never forget. And because when they're that little, they're just asleep. She was just asleep yeah. the whole oh, time, yeah. like it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> but then trying to go to the toilet with this tiny, teeny tiny thing. But the the hostie, do you call them? Ho- no, flight attendants.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah.
0: Ab- obsessed with her, like just, here, let me hold your baby. But I was like, I've only known Frankie for five and a half weeks. I don't. Should I be handballing her to a complete stranger? And I'm like, well, they can't go anywhere. Uh, but it was just a real, like, what's yeah. the rules? What do you do? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And then second kid, you're like, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor second. Like, yes, yeah, so second. I do feel bad for these. For the second. We actually, like, are we. So we, we had. We have our our house isn't it's you know built in uh 1820 so it's not very big and so we had a guest room and poor Ellis is sleeping on a uh, portable crib on the floor because <laughs> <laughs> we thought Sid would vacate and like and we still had a guest bed in there poor guy like poor second kid but yes yeah, so, but back to that where it's like second kid I wouldn't have even questioned it I would have been like here you go but I, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean with first kid you would have been like. Have you have you um, used the hand sanitizer before you hand it over? Like I remember, we had like a, a mosquito net over Sid with the stroller, so people wouldn't try to touch her when she was young. Like they, yeah.
0: So. Oh gosh. And then
1: with him, it would just be like, here you go.
0: <laughs> sure, here you go. Lick my child. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Remind me, do you have brothers and sisters? An older brother. Okay, yeah, so you're the second child Yeah, yeah. had to fend for yourself. Yeah. It's what made yeah, you I, tough, right?
1: I, well, I think second kids, though, get it. I mean, I think parents are – the youngest, I think, gets away with, with a little bit more in, in some ways, but they also get tortured by the older. <laughs> like, I think I didn't get much – uh, the physical torture was more um, – flinching if I flinched I'd really get a good punch or the rat tail did you guys ever do the wet rat tail like with a towel oh yeah yeah Yeah. um but mostly it was psychological torture my brother would um (laughs) take my favorite stuffed animals and hang them up with a noose and have a suicide note like I can't stand to sleep with you anymore and like what um, yeah 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 Yeah, that was a period where my poor stuffed animals would all be like hanging yeah. So
0: yeah, it definitely made me tougher, though, right? Yeah. Jeez, that is next level yeah. psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. And are you too close now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we don't have as much in, like I think we just our personalities are a little bit different. But I mean, I he has the cutest like he lives near my parents, so um, cutest my nieces are adorable, and um, his yeah. wife's amazing, and um, yeah, we definitely get along, but we're just. Definitely a little. I mean, I'm. I've always been kind of that, like, like we said, a little intense, a little competitive. So he's a little more. I think more laid back and
0: yeah. And is it fair to say that Eric's pretty laid back?
1: I think uh, Eric's really competitive. We actually had to stop playing um, card games or Scrabble because <laughs> oh. <laughs> we just could go get like competitive and getting like one of us it would end in one of us throwing the board or like (laughs) storming away like yeah both of us are way too so he's competitive I think both of us are laid-back in some ways but um, pretty competitive in others and then um, he's a little more of an extrovert and I'm a little more introverted I think so we kind of complement each other a little
0: there yeah yeah what makes you say, say you're introverted
1: um I just I always I do better with sort of the periods where I kind of go off like by myself and I mean I I live like in a hovel in Switzerland but I'm, by myself like <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even kidding like well, yeah but, but but like I just think an introvert generally like gets energy when they're sort of by themselves and um kind of recharges yeah. their battery um oh you know way and like so something like Kona when I'd have to be on all the time, it would mm. just, it would definitely, it was a struggle. Just, you know, I'd come back from the expo just like so drained and mm. um, stressed out and <laughs> stress level yep. 12. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And, and Eric, I think just, I mean, I think like something like the pandemic has been really tough for him because yeah, you know, the extroverts who it's it a lot of time, you know, just with such a small group. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough.
0: Yeah. It's, um, um... That's definitely what I found probably the toughest is I I definitely think I've changed. I used to be super extrovert, like couldn't spend any time by myself, had to be around other people all the time, which is why I would always be at every party. I'd say yes to everything. And as I've gotten a bit older, I've recognized that I need to sort of go in between. Find a balance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But definitely... I had my 40th birthday a couple of weeks ago and I wasn't going to make a speech or anything, but I was just so happy to be in a room full of people who I loved that I was like, I need to make a speech because I need to be up there, maybe being center of attention. But I just, I had to tell everyone how happy I was because that's that's exactly what I missed was just being in a room full of people um, who I I love. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah and and even even I an intro uh, you know being introvert like I missed i I definitely found mm. myself where it's changed me a little bit in the sense that um you know because you everyone's been so starved of that, i definitely really appreciated mm. being able to kind of see people again and have people over mm. and um and yeah, mm. it just made me it sort of makes you appreciate all the as as stuff gets more normal ish. Yeah, um, you know, appreciate that and being able to kind yeah. of be be with friends and family again.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, hey, I want to go back to Kona because anyone who's been in Kona knows how insane it is. Like, it's crazy uh, that that race week, uh, especially, um, and for pro athletes who who you know, let's just say top ten um, pro athlete, which you, that was always you. Um, so there was always media commitments, sponsor commitments. There was always a lot that other people needed from you. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is: have you have you seen that Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, has said that she's not going to do any media um, commitments or press conferences while she's at the French Open? Have you seen her statement? No, about her?
1: that's awesome. I for, I love her, but yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean she is badass. Like, super fan. But yeah, Yeah, I, I I yeah, I think that's incredible. Well, I know who is uh, the running back. Um, Oh shoot, I can't remember his name. But there was oh, but tell say what what you were going to say about her, and I'll try to think of the if I can think of him.
0: Okay. Yeah. So she just um, so. Yeah, so basically, she said for her mental health, um, she will be skipping all media conference, press conferences because uh, it's not good for her mental health, and it's, et cetera, et cetera. So there's there's a lot of discussion around that and the importance of media, um, and you know, versus the importance of mental health, and then the role of a professional triathlete, and particularly at the top tier tennis player who's getting paid a lot of money um and how that all factors in and so there's there's a lot of discussion about it and i go between two two sides because i can see absolutely the athlete's mental health side of things i can i can totally appreciate that and we never know um it's, it's it's easy for people to stand on the sidelines and say well you know that's part of the job whatever uh but you just never know exactly what's going on um with someone personally but then from the media point of view i I completely <laughs> understand that there's, um, you know, media is there for a reason, and media helps uh, athletes, you know, become center stage and, yeah. and get all of these sponsorship deals. And, um, but yes, yeah, so, and and she signed a contract that this is part of her role when she's. Yeah at this tennis event and that's part of what she is getting paid for and so she's she's copping the fine it's just like I'll just cop it I'm not turning up I'll just cop the fine each time which I think is something like 15 grand each time she doesn't turn up uh so yeah I was just interested because obviously being an an introverted athlete having to be at these different events during Kona week when all you want to do is focus on your race and yeah so I was just interested to get your thoughts on it
1: yeah, yeah, it, it's, it is interesting, and I think everybody, to a certain extent, has to make that decision themselves, and mm. for her, maybe making the decision that lets her perform her best and keeps her, hopefully, mentally healthy, and um, mm. I know I was, the running back I always think of would, would go to the media and just would say, all his answers would be, I'm just here so I don't get fined. I can't think of his name, though.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Wow. I'm,
1: I'm like, I'm sure again, everyone's yelling it right now. Yeah. But,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but I'll yeah. Look it up. But it's sort of, it's one of those things there. I do think, I mean, if, and, and this is where I always struggled as an athlete. It's like, and with sponsors, is it's like, if you have, like, what, what are you there for? Like, is it the performance or is it the media? And I do think they, they go hand in hand to a certain extent, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, if you've put too much weight and like too much energy into the media side, like the social media and the that, it, it can sometimes take away from the performance and then, mm. but a performance alone without the media is obviously not as powerful either. So it's, it's sort of finding the right balance. And I do think, um, you know, finding like someone like, like you was easy to talk to in Kona because it was more of like sitting down and chatting with a friend versus, you know, a, a somebody I didn't really know talking to them mm. Um and, and sort of those, to, or, or just the expo in general where there's just some, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, which is sort of overwhelming at times mm. for, so, but so yeah. like the one-on-one chat I think is a little easier in some ways than, you know, kind of being out and you know doing yeah. small talk with um with a, a lot of people and just yeah. thinking about like the very, you know all the all the things going around in your head for really too yeah
0: yeah absolutely yeah it's interesting i i find it a very uh, yeah a really interesting discussion and and i wonder what's going to happen with um naomi after this event because um, also, I mean, she's talking about after matches each time because we see it, we see it all the time. The tennis yeah. players go into the press conference room and, and I feel like some of the questions uh, that she was getting or, or whoever, that's what concerns her is. yeah, and, and we we only see a small part of it, right? That There could be interviewers in there asking the same question like, do you think you dropped the ball because of this or, yeah. you, you know, whatever time yeah. and time and time and time again. Um, but yeah, like I feel, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence with it. Um, yeah. because, you know, maybe that's part of media training that it, it, it's yeah. up to her management team to sort of sit with her and help her through Though I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the right answer is. Yeah. Um, but, and we also don't know, You know, it's easy for her to have made this statement in the media that I'm not going to do it, and that's all we hear. But there there could have been discussions with the French Open or or whatever tennis authority for months and months and months, and it may have come to the final straw. And this is the way she's approaching it. I don't, we don't know. Yeah, Um, I mean, and the hard
1: thing, yeah, the hard thing for for media now too is with sort of social media channels is I do think it's taken away some of the power that the media has a little bit because athletes can just go on their own channels mm-hmm. and and tell their story a, a, a little bit too whereas it takes mm. some of the because I mean back before the internet and social media it's like you you know you have to read the magazines or
0: um, mm.
1: that's where you got all your information whereas now it's a lot easier to kind of speak directly to your fans for
0: mm.
1: for, for them so it's sort of I think bound bal- I think the media is just in a tough spot in some ways because it's sort of
0: mm-hmm.
1: where, you know, making sure they can provide the value and also support the the athletes. and um,
0: Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a tough, Absolutely. It's a
1: tough tough space to be in. Yeah. It's tough, tough yeah. Oh, it's tough wait, you. you just cut out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. no, I said it's tough, tough for you, Steph. It's a tough job. I wouldn't want to be – no, I, I just think – yeah. It's, I But I think that's where the value – that you bring to the table is the fact that you do know. So, I mean, I feel like you have a personal relationship with so many of the athletes, similar to how, you know, the top sponsors have a good, it's in relationships is all the world is built on. And I think you've done Mm -hmm. a great job of having relationships with athletes, you know, across the different distances, different, you know, kind of building that network, which I think is that that's more valuable than, anything else in, in the
0: world really Ah, look at you yeah. saying nice things who even are yeah. you
1: yeah i don't <laughs> know i'm way too happy yeah i'm not <laughs> angry enough
0: <laughs> but thank you that's what i that's what kind of keeps me going is i feel like that is our strength um are those relationships uh and the the stories and the discussions that we we can have that are different to uh other people's social media or other media platforms um yeah. and, and and individual athletes platforms it's all if you think about it it's all produced by themselves it, you know yeah. it's it's self-promotion pr- it's self-produced and that's not a slight on them that's that's no, just is what it is it's
1: one side of the the athlete though you don't see the the other yeah you know all the dimensions
0: yeah so like to try and Feel like that's yeah. what we do, so hopefully that yeah. comes across.
1: Like the athletes rock, and you pick it up and see what's growing on the underside, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, look what we haven't covered about yeah. you. You're an asshole. Yeah, uh, yep. well, that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, is, yes, but you're what is this? Uh, what is the, the title? of This one will be like Meet the Asshole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the retired asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, Uh, before we start wrapping things up because we have been going for over an hour, which is not a surprise. I mean, there's so many (laughs) things I want to catch up with you about because we we've literally been saying let's catch up for a chat. And then (laughs) I was just like, let's just turn it into a podcast and people can listen to us (laughs) catch you up because we haven't (laughs) spoken for ages. Um, Now I forgot what I was going to say. No, before, yeah, before we start to wrap things up, because I know that you have two little munchkins that you need to, probably save say night too they oh. Yeah. oh they're done go get yeah, a drink yeah. let's keep chatting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, <yeah. laughs> what what's um and and obviously we try not to talk too much about triathlon but I, I always find it interesting speaking to people who have left the sport but still you've got you know one foot in the door in terms of coaching and um listening to our podcast so you know a little bit what's going on um yeah, keep... yeah. so what's what would you say? And I know this is such a stock standard question, but I, d- I do think hindsight, you know, or a retrospective look at, at your career is always good. Because I know I've got like things that I remember about you from racing, and I used to love watching you. Ra- You're one of my favorite <laughs> athletes to race. Be- well, because you had that white line fever, and it, it was, <laughs> I loved it. Um, but w- what is one of the highlights? Like, what's one of the things that you remember? Um,. I
1: I think the the race that sort of felt like I hit all like all cylinders was the the ITU long distance. And I, I wonder if part mm-hmm. of it is the ITU distance was probably where I, I – because I think Iron Man was just a little too long. So the mm-hmm. ITU distance is six hours. So it's actually a similar distance too to the Alpe Duez race. Mm-hmm. Um and I could actually maintain for six hours. Whereas like in an Iron Man, I think the last two hours were always like a a bit of a shit show no no pun intended um so the ITU worlds when I when I raced there that was probably a top race and I always um yeah I just felt like I I didn't have a point there when it was you know became a death march which Mm. always seemed to happen and I I mean there wasn't an Ironman I did where it wasn't a a, you know a period where you're just like can I finish this thing like (laughs) yeah um yeah, and and winning winning was also uh, winning's always a highlight too. So you know, <laughs> I always wanted a world title. So I was like, I mean, maybe it's it's not Kona, but you know, it's still a world title, and
0: I'll, it counts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll take it. I guess remind me, yeah. what was it? Um, what was your best performance in Kona, rank wise? Uh, fifth. fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I kind of. Uh, I mean. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I feel like Kona was never a race that I, I mean, 2011, it was my fourth Ironman of the year. I think I was 2012 was fifth, 2013, I broke my collarbone the month before and tried to race and it was probably, yeah, 20, 2014, I, um, I, I mean, 2014, I pulled muscle. But other than that, I was, I just didn't perform. 2015, I was perfectly healthy, didn't perform mm. and then 2016 I got so I well I got Lyme disease and then I oh, got shit, that I got about secondary and inf- uh, yeah secondary I got sick probably a couple weeks before which is a training mistake so Brett and I obviously take if you get sick you know two weeks before the Ironman you're training too hard probably too hard. so yeah yeah but so we got sick but then instead of being smart like I got a secondary bacterial infection, and so then I'm on, like, a Z-Pak two days before. Yeah, so that was my last race. I was not... I I really shouldn't have started, but you're sort of like, I had already decided it was my last race ever, and so sort Mm. of like, should should I... Like, I don't know. It's tough, so it's not really the last race I would have wanted, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, but, but I had Kona's where I had a chance, but I just... The ones I did, I didn't perform. So,
0: but <laughs> fifth is still like fifth fastest in the world. And I know I, you you, st- you can't take the pro triathlete out of you, and you're like, Ugh. but f- yeah. fifth fifth in the world. Nah, yeah. nah. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> For yeah, but I think I I then this was one of the things that in hindsight, knowing myself, I even if I'd won Kona, I wouldn't have been it would have been not good, good enough. And that's part of the reason I was a good athlete is that, you know, I never was really like, like I'd win a race and be like, ah, uh, you know, what's, what's next. And I think it it is a, it's, it's good. You know, one of those um, traits that helped me succeed, but then it also, mm. if you're never able to kind of appreciate your successes, it makes it hard too. So yeah, um, sort of double edged sword, but I, I just in hindsight, knowing my personality, even if I'd won Kona, I wouldn't have been happy. And, and then retiring, um, it was I was at least happy retiring because the only thing that I really wanted to do still that was was win Kona, and I kind of came to the point where I was, um, age wise and point in my life wise, I thought it was probably I had my chances, and yeah, yeah. So that yeah, I was thirty nine at that point. So nobody's won Kona, you know, out of there. I think thirty eight or maybe thirty nine is the oldest. Ah. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know statistically, that statistically. Right? Yes, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, somebody prove me wrong, but I don't think anybody's going to win in their forties. But prove me wrong. Come on, ready? Because I Ritty, I, would I would love it. I uh, would love it because I do think it'd be really cool if I mean, and yeah. I think. Jan, I think, might be 40 this year. I'm not sure, though.
0: Ah. Um, but there's oh, quite yeah, a few probably. good
1: guys still racing, in they like, right around 40. Um, yeah, and obviously, Rennie had- is 40, yeah. so um, it'd be awesome. Yeah. But I just, I think for me, I was kind of doing the math on my old yeah. broken-down body. That <laughs> I was a horse that needed to go to the glue factory, so, <laughs> I mean, I definitely was i mean it, personally i think i could start to see you know the
0: the fraying edges of the body right with time so so in summary of your career then how do you look back on it at your career now fondly uh, oh definitely
1: i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't really i mean i might in hindsight i i always i maybe change some of the things that we did training wise but as far as um yeah, it, it, I I wouldn't change anything, and and I started late, so it definitely was hmm. maybe in in hindsight I would have started a little earlier, but yeah, I yeah, it also gave me a cushion though, since I'd started later, I'd worked for a bunch of years, so I had, you know, the financial security that, um, for me, yeah. if I failed, I, you know, had a, I had a plenty of savings that it wasn't a huge, mm. I didn't need to make a ton of money the first few years. Which yeah. is a nice relief versus somebody who doesn't go to you know comes right out of school and, and starts mm. and has to try to make money right away.
0: Because how long were you an age grouper before you went pro? I
1: did three races. the yeah. you, I well I did my first race and then I looked up how to become a pro because oh. I I, so I and then I so you had to do three races so I did three races so my fourth race I was a pro I. And my fourth race, I, like I was, um, but no, I'm just like how silly I was. It's like I didn't, I sat down to like in transition to put my bike shoes on, like in the pro field, like what an idiot, but oh well.
0: What was your first pro race?
1: Alcatraz.
0: Yeah. Oh, Al- okay. Alcatraz in
1: 2006.
0: Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. And how yeah, did so that pan was- out? remind me I,
1: think I, I i was i think i was like 11th which isn't bad considering like how clueless i was and i just started with siri and i had um i so I, I siri was they were in australia and um i was at home like i was still working full-time at that point but i just couldn't get motivated so i didn't swim for december january february and then they they came back from their camp in australia in march and i was like I mean, like I had all the good intentions to swim, but like I would kind of drive to the pool and be like, "Mm, "I don't really feel like it." So, like it was (laughs) child by fire, and then right, and then at that point too, I marched. So they came back. I probably started with them for a couple weeks, and then I didn't tell Siri. I went down, and I don't know if she still. She probably still doesn't know this, but I went downhill skiing. And had an injury. Like I, t- I just, I hit a weird chunk of ice weird. And my bones like hit together. I strained my LCL, MCL, like got a microfracture on my femur head. And like, oh, I, I don't know what I told her. But I was like, then I couldn't run or do anything for like six weeks. But yeah, it was it was an auspicious start. To, but it was probably good for the swimming though. Because I think I could only swim. So at least it got me towards swimming fitness.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> You are a nightmare.
1: Yeah, I'm, well, well, I, I straightened up. I mean, I did get there. It's <laughs> eventually.
0: There. Yeah. So when you're when you're racing or your first race, what what made you go? All right, I want to be a pro. Was it because you had a, a decent race where you're like, oh, I could be in this, or were you just like, oh, screw it, this seems like fun. I'm going to have a crack.
1: Well, i I've been kind of running semi seriously um doing marathons and I mean I wasn't I wasn't good enough to make a much money I made like maybe a grand or two a year at most but yeah um and I kind of the writing was I actually had um one injury where I tore the joint capsule in my hip and they saw I had osteophytes so they said it was early osteoarthritis so they just were saying you can't be running all these miles and that was probably that was May of 2005 and then i did my first race in july the first triathlon i was like okay i'm gonna try like i i had a you know i couldn't run for eight weeks anyway so i swam a little i did some masters and i had an old road uh steel bianchi road bike and um i did the race and i i did boulder peak um which is probably the only race that you can actually not be a good cyclist and do okay on if you're just willing to like it's got a steep 8% grade hill. So, you know, a runner who does have no idea really how to bike very well can do well in it because it's, (laughs) you know, you just hump it up the hill and then you, it's either up, most of, like half of it's uphill and downhill and then there's a little bit on the flats where I didn't have, I mean, I'm on a road bike like my steel Bianchi, but I think I finished 40 seconds slower than the pro winner.
0: Um, oh shit
1: yeah so and i won the age group overall so i was like oh i could be okay at this (laughs) like and so then i entered like i think my next race was like because i was like look i need to find an open race so i did a race for the cure because like it had to be so many people but that was like funny because there's like it's all people just racing to raise money and just to finish a triathlon here i am like my intense like self like out of my way (laughs) cancer survivors (laughs) I'm here to win. <laughs> and then I did one oh, other silly shit. race that fall and then turned pro um and hired Siri that winter.
0: You are hilarious.
1: Yeah, a little intense. A little intense.
0: Pretty, oh, it <laughs> worked out okay.
1: It did, it did. Nobody was oh, hurt.
0: Shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I know of.
0: <laughs> you never look back so you will never know you never look over true, your shoulder
1: that's
0: true so the blanket apology that you said at the start of this podcast goes out to all of those people as well just as in case well, well. just to just cover yourself case, yeah. yeah um okay so last question when it comes to time where you're I don't know about you. So with Frankie, we now, when she goes to bed, we read her a couple of books, but then she always wants to talk about the day, which is kind of leading into us just making up stories as well. So she really enjoys that. So when it comes time for you to to read to your two, but you're just making up stories, but it's going to one day be a story about about mum and her triathlon career. (laughs) How how are you going to tell that story to them? What story are you going to tell them? About mum being a professional triathlete, and please don't let it be about knocking down cancer survivors
1: <laughs> i don't i don't know if they'll even believe like i'll be so old by the time there <laughs> um i don't know um oh I think you've stumped me here steph i usually yes. I make up stories that are completely unrelated to triathlon it's like um some like it's like princess sydney and her like she has her her friends name Penny. So it'll be stories about Sydney and Penny and their adventures and sort of based on something we've done for the day. Yeah, um, I haven't featured in these stories yet, so I'll have to have to start adding myself as myself as the heroine in. Definitely. <laughs> I, yeah. I pulled them on their, my bike. And... <laughs> no, no. Uh, so... I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do think that um, I, you learn so much in, in sports, so I hope they do sport and, but I don't know if, if I they don't need to do triathlon and almost I'd maybe, unless the sport kind of continues in the right, like it's in the right direction now with like the the pro, um you know, the pros really speaking up and, and having a voice. Mm. But sports are so hard. Like I wanted yeah. to, to do sports and love sports, but I don't know if I'd want to be pro athletes. It's a tough, tough life.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting Especially to be
1: angry the whole time.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> I want them to go into sports and not I wanna be, be happy. happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, honey badger. Um, I feel like I'm just going to start calling you honey because the badger. It seems like the badger's gone. The badger side <laughs> yeah. of things is, is we killed the a badger. The past.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the badger. Well, if we're being honest, the badger still. I mean. It's just that, like, it's not really, yeah. It's it's just, like, by itself running on the trails around here at very slow pace. That's <laughs> what the badger does. Or it goes out for coffee rides, but, it you know.
0: Uh, now I want to make you a T-shirt of a honey badger <laughs> on a bike drinking coffee. Yeah.
1: Just it like, is- well, but I like to look around, too, you know, like, oh, pretty houses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness all right we're gonna to have to wrap things yeah. up because um even though your kids are asleep uh i actually have to get onto a live call thing very soon and i'm really sorry because <laughs> okay. i wanted to yeah, keep no. chatting to you <laughs> even if we stopped recording um but
1: it's my bedtime anyway it's it's 10 p.m like that's usually
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah it's way past your bedtime <laughs>
1: Well, it now that I'm not a triathlete, it's not super strict, so it's still though I try to make Eric I'm like, all right, let's go.
0: It's ten PM. Go crazy. Yeah. Go crazy. <laughs> oh actually, before you go, uh actually no, we'll we'll wrap this up and then I'll bring Frankie on so she can say hi. Okay, um, that'd be great. MB, this is the official sign off of the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. It was awesome catching up. And um I yeah, I'm interested to follow your uh coaching um side of things to see how that's all going Yes. Yeah. well you when, you're, when you're doing the info. comeback
1: yeah when you're doing the comeback
0: right. i'll give you a call yeah, yeah
1: i'll give you a all special right. rate mate mates rates
0: brilliant i like it <laughs> uh thanks friend i will catch up with you in like 30 seconds once i've hung up from the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> bye Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode.